0: A university in England has instituted a new policy to fight climate change. Goldsmiths University in London has banned beef. The entire college is beef-free. Apparently, the processing of beef emits more greenhouse gases than other foods, so they're banning beef to reduce carbon emissions. Liberals are always banning things. They're always telling us what we cannot do. Like Elizabeth Warren said, why are you always telling us what we cannot do? That's what liberals do. Imagine if rather than forcing everybody to not eat meat? What if they had all the people who want to help the environment volunteer to not eat beef? What if they did it voluntarily? What if they offered incentive? How about if they discounted students' tuitions who refrained from eating beef? You know, So, well, well, this way they get more people to do it. The liberals, the bottom line is they love telling us how we should lead our lives. How about those cities that ban plastic bags and plastic straws? How about if they offered a tax break to people who voluntarily avoided plastic? I'd be Perfectly fine with that. Let people make the decision. What about if Starbucks offered a discount to customers who don't use plastic? Rather rather than just telling us that they're not gonna serve it to anybody. You know, but liberals would never do that because once it's voluntary, it loses all of its appeal. Liberals aren't interested. They're not happy until they get to force us to live our lives a certain way. According to a new study, areas get ready for this bombshell, areas with more fast food restaurants have reported more. Heart attacks. Well, isn't that a bombshell? Places with more fast food restaurants have more heart attacks. Now, it's like one of these studies where they'll spend like millions of dollars and conclude that overeating causes obesity. The more calories that you consume, the more obese you will be. You know what? You're kidding. I thought starvation caused obesity. I had no idea that eating a lot causes people to be fat. You know, so here I was going to make a joke. I was going to say... That, you know, next liberals are going to claim that fast food restaurants are predominantly in urban areas, and black and Hispanic areas, because it's a conspiracy, because, you know, white people are trying to target minorities and make them unhealthy. And then I had this vague recollection that there's actually been this claim that, that liberals actually have accused the government and white people of planting fast food restaurants in minority areas. So I googled it, And a book was written in 2017, two years ago. A book was written, literally accusing the U.S. government of placing fast food restaurants in areas that in black communities and Hispanic communities specifically to cause uh, obesity amongst African Americans and Hispanics. You cannot make this stuff up. the The book literally says that the U.S. government helped subsidize the growth of fast food restaurants in minority of uh, communities through government grants and through growth initiatives that specifically prioritized fast food establishments. And, quote, these efforts have pushed many African-American families a long way from the healthier diets of previous generations. Minorities are disproportionately affected by obesity and related health issues. So essentially what they're saying is that white people, that the U.S. government, this was a government conspiracy to make blacks and Hispanics fat. They funded restaurants. They wanted to revitalize these urban communities. A lot of these communities are falling apart. So they figure, all right, we'll build it up. We'll put businesses there, put McDonald's there, put other, you know, fast food restaurants there. And that way you'll, you'll, you'll revive these places and you'll build these places up and help these No, 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 no. It's a government conspiracy. They were prioritizing fast food restaurants because they want to make black people fat. (laughs) You cannot make this stuff up. Congress has been on recess now, what, for a couple of weeks. Has anybody noticed? Has anybody's life been affected negatively? My my life has been impacted positively because I'm much less stressed than I am when Congress is in session. Other than that, I haven't noticed. I haven't heard too many people mention Bob Mueller or impeachment or subpoena in the past two weeks. That's pretty refreshing. You know, the only difference for me... Is without Ocasio Cortez and the news, haven't heard from her, you know, it's a little bit harder for me to do show prep. When, when Ocasio Cortez makes almost any comment, almost anything she says, that I, I pretty much just need to repeat it verbatim, and that's half my show right there, you know. But the, the media is doing a great job of replacing her, you know, saying outrageous things while Ocasio Cortez is on, is on recess. Stay on recess, no problem, I don't mind. All right, on the gun issue. Very interesting, the FBI has arrested an 18-year-old man from Ohio for making online threats. So this man was making uh, threats against the U.S. government, online threats against various organizations, very, very twisted things that he said, we'll read them to you, and they raid his home and they discover a massive arsenal of weapons in his home. So th- this man's name is Justin Olson, and FBI agents, as I said, raided his house in Boardman, Ohio, after he made these threats, repeated threats online, violent threats. They they they, they, they discovered 15 rifles, 10 semi-automatic pistols, and about 10,000 rounds of ammunition. It was in his house. So they go and they raid his house, 15 rifles, 10 pistols, 10,000 rounds of ammunition, but look, I, I'm sure, he, look, he was doing this for his personal safety, clearly he wanted to be very safe, so he had this arsenal of 25 firearms and 10,000 rounds of ammunition, you cannot be too safe, that's what I always say, you know, he, he had more weapons than some small countries, but look, this is no laughing matter, and here's what's amazing. You know the FBI, a big part of why they decided to move in on him now is because of the recent mass shootings. They're cracking down. He seemed suspicious. They were tracking him online for a long time. They decided to raid his house. and uh, this is what they discover. So what does this show us? This shows us that the real way to prevent shootings is to crack down on crazy people like this. See, many of these people. In my experience, they don't hide the fact that they're crazy. They, they post things online. They brag about all the things they're going to do. They threaten. So they can be discovered. That's not true in all cases. Some of these people uh, you know, do hide it very well. But in my experience, many of these people... They can be discovered if you know where to look. And if the FBI specifically focuses on finding people like, look, they did it over here. And it seems from the reports that if it had not been for these two shootings in Ohio and Texas, that they would not have raided. They specifically decided to be extra cautious. That's pretty interesting. What other people now are they going to uncover? So this man, he first came on the FBI's radar. After he posted online that he supported the Oklahoma City bombing in 1995, and he supported the shootings of ATF agents, federal agents, at the Branch Davidian compound in Waco, Texas, in 1993. I'm not sure a lot of you may not even remember that. Uh, you know that was that that uh, cult that was led by David Koresh back in Waco, Texas. Here's a quote: "The Oklahoma City bombing shows armed resistance is a viable method of political change." In, uh, there is no legal solution. Shoot every federal agent on site. So that was a little bit of a giveaway that raised some red flags. Talk about red flag laws for the FBI. He's saying shoot every federal agent on site and he supports Oklahoma City bombings, etc. You know, killing of uh, federal agents. So essentially, you know, the, the, what you have here is you have a man who clearly you know, was not at all ashamed or embarrassed or afraid to post these vicious, vicious, violent things online and the FBI caught him. Now, isn't that more effective than these background checks, which we've seen, you know, just don't seem to work. They seem to inhibit, you know, prevent the the honest people from getting guns, but not the people we're trying to prevent. A fake group known as Campus Reform went to George Washington University and asked students (laughs) to sign a petition to join a protest against the image of the white man on the walk side. So they were literally trying to, you know, make fun, to poke fun of these universities, these very, very, you know, liberal and mindless university students. You know, so at the crosswalks, you know, a lot of cities, they'll have instead of, you know, when I was a kid, he used to say walk and don't walk, but of course, that's racist because it's only in one language. So now they have an image of, of, of a person. You know, they'll have a red person when it's don't walk and or, or they'll have a hand probably in a lot of places. Saying "Don't walk," that's red, but the person who tells you to walk—that's a white image. At least it is in this university uh, at the crosswalks. So they ask students, you know, don't you find this offensive that it's a white person? It should be a person of color telling us that we can walk. Why is it always the white person telling us that it uh, we, that, that we can walk across the street? Numerous students were enthusiastic, you know, they responded, they signed the petition, they thought this was a great idea, I I mean, it's just, literally, it boggles the mind, you know, that uh, you can actually get people, these are people who are getting a college education, some of them already have a college education, even one university professor signed on to this petition, and you can literally get them to say anything, once you just mention politically correct, this is offensive, the white man. So here's a quote from the, this, this, the text of the petition. Here's an excerpt quote. As we students cross the street, we are told by the symbol of a white man when it is okay to cross. Many students from diverse backgrounds, including individuals of color, etc., feel oppressed by this. Uh, you know, again, this whole thing was a joke. They were making fun of these students, but these students signed on. We are told by the symbol of a white man, when it is okay to cross, that's racist. That's offensive. <laughs> now, you know, you may remember last year, remember when Starbucks kicked out those black customers and, uh, you know, they were accused of being racist, these Starbucks employees, and they held a damn. I'm not talking about with the cops a few weeks ago, but this was actually, you know, when, the, and this was wrong. They, I think that, I believe Starbucks had the cops called, called the cops on some black customers, you know, who were, uh, I don't know. Waiting around, didn't order coffee, whatever it was, and then they had that day of anti-bias training, and I jokingly said, you know, that the Starbucks logo is racist because you have a picture of this white person on a green background. Why is it? Why is a white person? It should be. It should be a person of color uh, uh, on the on the green background. Now I'm starting to realize, you know, it's not a joke. You know, what else are they going to say is racist? I mean, I, I realize my Gmail, my email. The background of my email is white. The letters of my email are black, but the background is white. Now, is that really fair? That the background they should the background should be black. Now you tell me well, what about the letters? They should both be black. Now you're not going to be able to read the letters if the letters are black and the background is black. Well, okay, but is that any excuse? You know, that's a small price to pay. You know, we don't want to offend anybody. Got to be politically correct. Uh, You know, look, this is, you know, Google. I I, I find Google offensive. Google, they're supposed to be like the epitome of uh, political correctness in Silicon Valley. California, there were tears in their eyes. Trump was elected 2016. Google executives had tears in their eyes. Yet their email has a white background. California has become the first state to sue President Trump over his new immigration policy. They waited a whole two days. They claim that by immigrants, they, they make this up. They literally, it's contrived. They literally decide we're, we have to sue because President Trump has an immigration policy that's actually going to benefit the country. We have to file a lawsuit. Now we'll get the lawyers to figure out, you know, what the claim should be, why this is illegal. But it that's just like the details, you know. So they claim that by immigrants being taken off Medicaid, there will be a public health crisis. So not only does the government Give them coverage if they ask for it. Not only do we say, all right, listen, you want Medicaid, we'll give you Medicaid even though you're, you're you're not even a citizen. Now it's a crisis if you don't give them coverage. If you don't give them coverage, that's a public health crisis. They also say that Trump is usurping congressional power to dictate immigration policies. Really? Congress is supposed to dictate immigration policies? Haven't seen them do that in years. Uh, so... Uh, so California has asked uh, one of the district courts over there to issue an injunction, you know. And uh, of course, I'm sure they will find some Obama-appointed judges uh, to issue an injunction while this thing goes through the the appeals process, etc. The one the one court, and then the next, and the appeals, etc. You know. Uh, all right, Nancy Pelosi tweeted about this immigration policy, where we've told you that uh, President Trump is cracking down on legal immigrants who want to extend their visa, want a green card, and they're living off of government programs. They don't have an education. So essentially, they are actually wrecking the economy. So Nancy Pelosi tweeted, quote, this hateful, bigoted rule is a direct assault on our nation's proud heritage as a beacon of hope and opportunity for all, and a clear attempt to demonize and terrorize the newcomers who make America more American. And Pelosi says it will be swiftly challenged and defeated in the courts. So she knows already that it'll be defeated in the courts. Sure, she's from California. She knows these courts well. But listen, hateful, bigoted rules. So it's a bigoted rule. Who are we bigoted against? We're bigoted against people who take government programs. Well, why is that bigoted? Any, a person of any color could take government programs. So what, what's the bigotry here? Well, Nancy Pelosi is the bigot because... She clearly is associating people who are low income to government programs with minorities. Otherwise, it's not a bigoted rule. Then she says it's demonizing and terrorizing the newcomers. This is an attempt to demonize and terrorize. It's terrorism. She's saying that Trump is terrorizing. What's the terrorizing? Well, you're telling them, get a job. You know, uh, contribute to the economy. Don't come to the country uh, through the good graces of the United States government and then take our money. Then take taxpayer dollars. All we need you to do is just support yourself. We don't even tell to pay taxes. Don't pay taxes. Just don't take tax money. Uh, don't take more than you give, you know, just to break even. So that is terrorizing and demonizing the newcomers where you say, hey, you know what? I think you should get a job if you want to stay in the country. She says that they make America more American. How, uh, how exactly do you make America more American? By living off of government programs. This is, these are Pelosi's words. Meanwhile, Ken Cuccinelli, head of immigration services for the White House, he was on NPR, interviewed by Rachel Martin, one of the hosts of uh, NPR's Morning Edition, and she attacked him. She asked him this bizarre line of questioning. Second time already, Ken Cuccinelli has been asked about the Statue of Liberty. Statue of Liberty, you know, has this poem on it where it says, "Send me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses," and they're asking Cuccinelli. So they asked him this at the press conference in the audio section, and Cuccinelli says, "You know, I'm I'm not about to replace the the poem on the Statue of Liberty." So then on NPR, she, this Rachel Martin asked him the same question about the poem on the Statue of Liberty. and It's literally bizarre. She, here's the quote. Quote, would you also agree Emma Lazarus' words etched on the Statue of Liberty, give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses, are also part of the American ethos? And Cuccinelli says back, of course they are give me your tired and your poor who can stand on their own two feet and who will not become a public charge. That was Cuccinelli's response. You know, it says, send me your tired and your poor. And I'm telling you that means, you know, or it could mean that, that means they can fend for themselves. They're poor. But they could still support themselves. You could be poor, but still have a job. You know, Biden says poor people are just as bright as white people. Well, poor people can have jobs just like white people. But the point is that you know. So then the media is spinning this. It's bizarre. The media is spinning this as I mean, it's not bizarre because it's the media. We we'd expect nothing less or nothing more. But the, the, what the media is doing is. That, Cuccinelli wants to rewrite the poem on the Statue of Liberty. They're actually taking this as though Cuccinelli is like saying, yeah, we should change the wording on the Statue of Liberty. All Cuccinelli's saying is, it fits very well. Send me your tired and your poor who are able to come to the country and support themselves. They're making it as though like Cuccinelli's contradicting this part of American heritage that we've had for hundreds of years. I mean, wow. One thing after the next, these Democrats, they, they, they truly are off the rails. Here's some other quotes here from that interview. Uh... Here, Rachel Martin asked him, quote, what immigrants are welcome to the United States if these immigrants are not? It, well, you're not letting these immigrants. What, what immigrants are you letting into the United States? Cuccinelli says back, quote, all immigrants who can stand on their own two feet, be self-sufficient, pull themselves up by their bootstraps. Uh, he says that... Uh, this is a 140 year old tradition in the country legally that uh, we tell them that if they're on the public charge, they're not going to get a visa extension. All Trump did was rewrite the rules. But the point is, it, it, it's like to the media, well, what immigrants are welcome to United States? Uh, like to them, it's like if an immigrant comes to the United States, then by definition, they're not going to fend for themselves. I mean, where do they come up with this stuff? And Cuccinelli, you know, says, well, you know, the immigration process is actually supposed to benefit the country. And that's considered like this controversial statement, like he's making some kind of radical, racist statement that immigrants are supposed to, the immigrant process is supposed to benefit the United States. No, come on, benefit the United States? Why would we do that? Like these Democrats, they feel so guilty when we say that, yeah, we actually want to benefit the United States, America first. Like that, that is, there's something, there's something sinister about that policy. And then she says to him, she says to him, The American dream is built on the idea that America is a place where you can come and build a life. It's where you can come. There are so many stories, people coming to the country with nothing, who may need assistance from the resources legally made available to them. This rule appears to change the definition of the American dream. So she's saying that Trump's new rule changes the definition of the American dream because the American dream is you come to the United States poor, and then America will help you succeed. And Cuccinelli essentially says, back, back what are you talking about? The, Ameri- the American dream is not you're going to come here and live off of food stamps and live off of Medicaid. That's the antithesis of the American dream. The American dream is self-sufficiency. OK, new poll. Bernie Sanders has pulled ahead of Joe Biden in the New Hampshire race. Bernie Sanders versus Biden at 15% in New Hampshire. Of course, New Hampshire is all important. Bernie Sanders has been running through New Hampshire for weeks, traveling, making uh, appearances, rallies, town halls. And uh, you can get all the details of that poll in the new poll section of our hotline. But this is certainly very interesting. Now, yesterday, uh, Bernie Sanders made comments Attacking Israel once again, saying the United States should leverage the funding it gives Israel to force Israel to change its policies. Here's a quote from Bernie Sanders. The goal of the United States has got to be to bring people in the region together, Palestinians and Israelis, to create a workable peace which works for both parties, not just one. The United States government gives a whole lot of money to Israel, and I think we can leverage that money to end some of the racism we have recently seen in Israel. So Bernie Sanders essentially saying, listen, we give them all this money. Uh, now we shouldn't just give it to them unconditionally. We should add a condition. We 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 should leverage the money and dangle it uh, over Israel and say you shouldn't be racist anymore. He, again, he used the word racist. Does that all the time with Israel. I don't recall Bernie Sanders complaining when we were sending hundreds of millions of dollars every year to fund the PA and the and the PA was literally using that money to pay terrorists and terrorist families. I don't recall him accusing the Palestinians of being racist, or being terrorists. No, it's just, it's just Israel that uh, seems to get under his skin. All right, many of you have reached out uh, about uh, Chuck Schumer's suggestion, proposal to regulate body armor. And you say that, you don't agree with me, you say that Chuck Schumer's idea of regulating body armor is a good idea, um, and essentially your point is that, look, if somebody's using body armor, why are they using body, why are they buying body armor? If they're not an armed guard, they're not a police officer, why are they using body armor? They probably want to commit a crime or to carry out a mass shooting. That's your point. So this is a good indication and therefore we should prevent them from using body armor because they're not going to want to carry out the attack because they worry that they're going to get shot. couple of points in response. And look, I'm not very strong about this. Uh, you know, if you tell me that, There's going to be legislation that that makes it harder to buy body armor. I'm open to that. You know, it rubs me very much the wrong way. The notion of preventing people from buying something that's going to protect themselves, that to me is even worse than preventing them from owning a gun. At least a gun harms somebody. You know, you can use a gun for protection, but I understand a gun at least can be dangerous. You know, there's nothing dangerous about body armor. But I don't think it's going to work, I, just for, simply speaking. You tell me, you know, this Dayton shooter, if he was not able to obtain body armor, you're saying he wouldn't have carried out. He has this, like, lifelong obsession with shootings, but he's not going to carry it out because he can't have body armor. I mean, that's very hard to believe. I don't think that's going to deter anybody. That's number one. Number two, it's a very interesting debate because let's say, you you know, you're say, saying that um, who's buying body armor? I don't necessarily agree, but let's go with the premise that yeah, who's buying body armor? Somebody's gonna carry out a mass shooting. So uh, to me, you, you're essentially saying, listen, we can the government can restrict people from doing something, um, even though that thing is not harmful in any way. You know, to me, I don't believe in restricting people unless you have a good reason. So you tell me, well, the numbers are, you know, very rare that anybody's gonna buy body armor uh, uh, unless they they're up to no good. And even if you're right, I say, look, if somebody wants to buy body armor, they should have the freedom to buy body armor. The government should not be getting in the way. And your response back is, yeah, but if you restrict people, then you know that's going to help prevent uh, uh, somebody from, you know, committing a violent attack, right? Well, okay, we have that discussion all the time, right? If you restrict people from buying cars. Then, you know, they can't use these the cars to commit out to commit these car ramming attacks, like as we have seen on rare occasions, but we have seen that happen. You know, so I well, you're not going to outlaw cars, but because everyone needs a car, but body armor, that's the whole purpose of the body armor. Okay, I understand the difference. I understand the point. I, I just think it's an interesting debate. I wanted to kind of bring out both sides. Now, as far as you know, do people wear body armor if they're not going to commit you know a violent act? I would think, and I, I, we, I say, you simply have to know. You know, uh, there are businesses out there that sell body armor, and we talk about body armor. There are different types of body armor, but let's say bulletproof vests and similar things that someone would wear under their clothing. I have a feeling that you know there are uh, wealthy businessmen out there who are targets, who feel, you know, who feel, who are worried about their own safety, who have bodyguards. Their bodyguards or private bodyguards. They wear body armor. They're not law enforcement officials. And I think they they even wear bulletproof vests. I believe there are wealthy people out there who wear bulletproof vests who worry about an attack. You know, uh, f- people who used to work in law enforcement, all right, maybe you'll tell me there'll be an exemption for those people. You know, what about private uh, private bodyguards, private security companies? And, you know, I, I, there are other people as well. There are some people out there, you know, who have enemies, who, who are high-profile people. And I would think that they wear bulletproof vest. You know so I'm not I'm not convinced that the whole premise is true. However, I don't know. You know, it's something we could probably uh confer but, but confirm. But here's what I think. I'd prefer just flagging somebody. If somebody buys body armor rather than, you know, pre- preventing them or making it hard and making a process just let the FBI be flagged, and the FBI can monitor that person for suspicious activity, similar to that story in Ohio. I'm fine with that. If that would be considered a red flag, hey, this person bought body armor, then the FBI, maybe they monitor their bank account, maybe they monitor, you know, I don't believe they can wiretap because of that, but, you know, they can track them, track their online activity, and, uh, you know, see what they come up with. You know, here we go again, with Democrats always wanting to ban and restrict things. Another caller. Uh, talked about the Trump's immigration policy. And he said the biggest shock to him in all this is that people with visas get government assistance. You know, he said green card is one thing, but visas, that's temporary. It means they're essentially in in the United States temporarily. They're not citizens. Green card holders aren't citizens either, but they're not even here to stay. So why are they getting government assistance? And the answer is, yeah, I know it sounds shocking, but non-citizens get government assistance. Many illegals get government assistance in California. There are hundreds of thousands of illegals in California. You know, Literally people, undocumented immigrants, as they call them. And, and California boasts about the fact that, that they give these people Medicaid coverage, food stamps, and other government programs. So yeah, you know, we get so used to these things that it kind of loses its shock value. But yes, it really is out of control. Um, and uh, another caller says that background checks are a joke. He says if somebody wants a gun they will obtain a gun, and especially criminals will figure out ways around these background checks. And look, you know, it underscores the biggest secret, which is really not a secret in Washington, which is that these politicians, they don't really care. If they cared about stopping violence, you know, they would not be focused on the background checks, because clearly, you know, background checks is just not the the, the answer. It's not the solution again. Maybe it's part of the solution, but they're making it sound right now as though like background checks is the dream solution to mass shootings that we've all been waiting for. Never mind, you know. Let alone the fact that yeah, uh, you know, mass shootings don't don't uh, don't account for nearly as many deaths as you know one-on-one shootings. I mean, one-on-one murders or murders that happen that are not mass shootings. You know, where it's just a single or two people. Uh, account for countless more, exponentially more uh, gun deaths than mass shootings. Mass shootings—they get all the attention, of course, because they, they get the media spotlight because you know they attract so much attention by by their nature, as opposed to just you know these when people are gunned down, these violent the street violence that happens all the time. Chicago—nobody's talking about Chicago, even though you know Chicago has way more; their murder rate is way higher than anything that happens as a result of mass shootings and a result of AR-15s, you know, but uh, it's not popular for liberals to talk about that because in Chicago and Illinois, the gun, the gun restriction laws are as tight as could possibly be, and yet all these criminals and gangs are walking around Chicago and the murder rate there is out of control. So the bottom line is, they don't really care about stopping violence. They care about the soundbite. They care about getting re-elected. You know, they care about the optics more than anything else. You know, you don't get re-elected by coming up with ways that the FBI can track down and prevent more of these criminals it's by passing legislation. That's how these Congress people get reelected, and that's why they're pushing the background checks because they can't legislate things like what happened in Ohio where the FBI discovered uh, this crazy person with 25 guns. Okay, that's going to do it for today, and we will see you next time.